0: Welcome to the Life of Tea podcast. This is a series where we discuss the spiritual and philosophical aspects of tea and the life lessons and wisdom that grow out of such a practice. After all, tea lessons are life lessons. If you'd like to support our cause and keep these podcasts going, then visit globalteahut.org and sign up for our monthly ad-free magazine that covers all aspects of tea from growing, processing, and serving to the history, lore, ethnography, and even the spiritual aspects of the leaf. Every issue also comes with a tin of sustainably produced tea. Global Tea of course, is also a community growing worldwide with a beautiful app for members that help you learn and grow together as well as join or even host tea events yourself. This podcast is devoted to Cha Dao as a way of life. If you're interested in the more linear aspects of tea, like the different genres, processing methods, science, or brewing methods and brewing tips, then check out our magazine. Or perhaps our YouTube channel, which is also called Global Tea Hut. There we have tons of videos, including a new brewing tea series where we do cover all the practical aspects of brewing tea. Of course, you can also come visit our free tea center here in Miaoli, Taiwan, Tea Sage Hut, where we offer two 10-day courses every month. Basically, this podcast isn't gonna focus so much on the linear aspects of tea, the information about its processing, history, or brewing tips. It's gonna focus instead on the life wisdom that comes from such a practice.
1: Cha is 80% cleaning. If you've ever set a course here at the tea sage hut or attended any of Wude's events, you have likely heard that sentence. Leaving percentages aside, cleaning does play an important role in the life of tea and in any spiritual or self-cultivation practice for that matter. It is something so mundane, ordinary and simple that most people rarely spend any time thinking about the influence it has on our lives. Here to discuss this topic and to help me unpack it is a man who has devoted some time on contemplating the deeper philosophical aspects of cleaning and continues to inspire others to do so as well. He's the longest serving student here at the Tea Sage Hut and someone you'll certainly meet and most likely drink tea with if you decide to visit us here in Miaoli, Taiwan. He's also directly responsible for all the practical aspects of mailing Global Tea Hut magazine to all the subscribers and knows a thing or two about prioritizing, organizing, and managing an office, and also about to-do lists. Welcome to the third episode of Life of Tea podcast, Shensu. Hi,
2: Janos. Thank you so much for having me. Um, It's an honor to be here, and I'm actually very excited to talk about um, a surprisingly important topic today. So let's get started.
1: It is my impression that most people regard cleaning as a chore in their life you're someone who not only embraces it, but also seems to enjoy it. Why is that? And um, has it always been so?
2: <laughs> well, I can't say I've always enjoyed cleaning. Um, and yet I do find myself now in a situation where um, I see its importance um, and I haven't experienced it enough to understand the positive impact it can have on my life, the environment in which I live and the people who I share that environment with. And um, part of that goes back to, to my upbringing. Um, because I spent a lot of time, I was fortunate to spend a lot of time with um, some senseis, some martial arts teachers um, and other influential teachers in my life. And for some reason a lot of them uh, incorporated cleanliness into the the routine of whatever it was we were doing. And no matter who I find myself studying under, cleaning always seems to be there. And I didn't really understand it in the beginning um, and still have a lot to learn about it myself now. But uh, it was always prevalent as I was growing up when I was studying under certain teachers. Um, and only now am I really starting to realize the importance of it. And because it's something that's experiential that we're actually doing, not just talking about, mm-hmm. uh, and when you feel the the benefits of that just afterwards in the very simple sense of, wow, this place is clean and that makes me feel good, um, it starts to become something that you get excited about. But it extends way beyond that. Um, and I hope that's what we can like unpack and talk about more in detail today.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's jump right into it. Um, So why do you think is, why is cleaning so important in our tradition and in cha dao in general?
2: Right, okay. So like you started off saying, um, it is said in this tradition um, that cha dao is 80% cleaning. And that's a huge percentage and it probably makes people wonder why why that is the case. And uh, so if we just think about it simply, here's a really simple exercise to like stimulate our imagination and get us uh, Thinking about cleaning and why it's important Um, if you just take a minute and, and imagine what it's like to walk into an office or a bedroom or any space and it's a complete mess and just imagine that in your mind and give yourself a moment and how does that make you feel right so how does that how does that space make you feel when you walk into it and it's really messy and disorganized and then in the opposite sense Think about walking into an extremely clean and organized office space, or bedroom, or, or whatever that space is for you, and what's the feeling there? And the difference is really black and white. When you walk into a disorganized space, you feel cluttered, you feel disorganized. That's something that you personally feel. And in the opposite, when you step into a clean, organized space, you feel clarity, you feel comfort, um, it feels good, it just feels good to walk into those spaces. And so automatically for our own personal well-being, even just thinking about it, we can start to understand why cleaning is really important. Then to take that a, a little bit further and extend it into this tradition of, of cha dao, a life of tea, um, you know, cleanliness, especially in Asian culture, has always been really important and it's a really important way of showing respect. So when you are when you are physically clean, when you take care of your own hygiene, when the space you live in is clean, and you welcome friends, family members, strangers, um, when you welcome people into that space um, and welcome them yourself, it's a way of showing respect by by being clean, physically clean, hygienically clean. Um, And they've known that in Asian culture for a long, long time, so no wonder it's played such a prevalent role in a life of tea. Um, The way that we clean our space to prepare for a tea ceremony, the way we clean all of our teaware, both before the ceremony and during the ceremony itself. There's a a ceremonial purification of the teaware. And also when you start to practice cleaning your teaware after to leave no trace of that tea session, um, you really start to see how this becomes a really important part of living a life of tea and actually living a life of anything. It doesn't really matter. Um, It extends into all facets of life. And cleaning can be something that's deep and philosophical and internal, and that's great. We can talk about that here. And it can also be something that's really practical and mundane and everyday, And that's good also to understand because that can also benefit us on a very practical level. Um, And it's good to have a balance in perspective of both of those um, to get an overall understanding of the importance of, of cleaning.
1: Mm-hmm. You mentioned leaving no trace of the tea session. Why is that important?
2: Um, so that's important because when we finish a tea session and if we were just to leave all of our teaware out and leave some tea leaves in the pot and maybe some water in the kettle, um, what you're going to notice right away on a practical level is that's going to uh, ruin your teaware. So obviously a part of us understands that, ah, oh, well, if I, wanna, if I want to uh, respect my teaware then I need to clean it, and I'm going to clean it after the tea session because it's just been used. Um, And it's, it's not funny that I said respect. Respect is a huge part of cleaning that we've already talked about. So in order to respect that tea session, respect that occasion, respect your guests, it is so important to clean up afterwards, leave no trace of that tea session, which also frees up that space in a clean way to prepare it for the next tea session. And that's important, especially in a life of tea, or at a a school of tea like we have here at Tea Sage Hut, because we always have guests coming and going. Um, And in one sense, we are both cleaning up after one tea session, and here's the beautiful part, this is where it starts to uh, expand our perspective of cleaning, we're also um, preparing and cleaning for the next tea session. And I wanna highlight that, that's really important because living a life of tea isn't just about serving tea at a tea table. It's about extending all those skills beyond the tea table and into our everyday lives. And when you start to do that with cleaning and you start to realize that the cleaning up after a tea session is the cleaning towards the future tea session, you're starting to tie your tea sessions together and create a continuity. And that continuity has to go through your everyday life. And that's perfect because uh, a life of tea is just that. It's a life. It's not just uh, a preparing of tea at the table and then it stops after that. So cleaning up afterwards uh, is important for so many reasons. And in one way of talking about it, we say a tea session should leave no trace of itself.
1: Mm -hmm. So leaving no trace of a tea session, does that mean clearing everything that you have just used and everything that was on the the tea table or wherever you were um, having your tea session? Or can you leave something in place?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's actually a really good question. It, It might seem kind of simple. Um, but actually, there are a couple different ways of, of finishing off a tea session um, in terms of cleaning, and it does depend on your approach to tea, uh, your your the space in which you brew tea. So, for example, here at Tea Sage Hut, we will often leave um, ending chashi. Chashi means uh, tea stage, and those are the elements um, that we use in which to help facilitate brewing tea. Uh, that could be like a runner and a plate and a a stick and a rest and and things like these. So what we often do at the center is we leave an ending chashi because this is a school of tea and tea sessions are always going on and the center of our school is surrounded by a a large tea table where we have most of our gatherings. Um, So a really nice way to finish a tea session is to tidy up and clean most of your teaware and maybe leave one or just a few small items that show that this is a clean tea space and that everything is finished and then it's almost prepared for the next tea session. Um, So you might leave a a central pot or a flower arrangement or something. Um, But you clean up everything else, you you clean it properly, you put it away, you you respect the things that you use, and you're you're grateful for the the session that they just served. Um, And this is one way of doing it. If you've got the time and the space for that in your own house, that's awesome and you can practice with that. But a lot of people don't have that privilege. Right, they might have uh, a house with with children or animals or or pets or other people coming and going, like roommates, mm-hmm. and you can't just like occupy the kitchen table with an ending chashi that stays there until the next tea session. Um, it's just not practical. So for a lot of people, if you don't have that possibility, then you would you would literally just clean up everything mindfully, not in a rush. Um, that's a really important detail. Maybe we can come back to it, but never always give yourself enough time to clean up after your tea session. If you know how much time you've got for a tea session, you should incorporate cleaning into that. Don't push the session itself to the very end and then rush cleaning. That is gonna lead to broken teaware, misplaced things, and that's not the way to end a proper tea session, it's not the, the proper way to clean with respect. So in the most cases for people at home, you are literally just going to leave yourself enough time to clean up everything properly and then put it all away and that's something we should talk about uh, within this discussion is where do you put these things because um, if tea is important to you and uh, you want to show it respect you're going to want to put it away somewhere respectfully and give all of these treasures a home.
1: Mm-hmm. So can you speak a little about the deeper philosophical meanings behind cleaning related to tea?
2: Sure. Uh, I'm, yes, I'm absolutely happy to because, um, you know, every day here at the center, the Tse Chat during one of our 10 day courses, we always dedicate an entire day uh, with the students and all the guests to cleaning the entire center. It is part of what it means to be, um, it is part of what Cha means to be 80% cleaning. And during that day, It's a very practical thing. It's often very physical. People are getting in there and cleaning all, they're cleaning underneath the carpets, they're getting into the corners, they're going into a lot of detail and it feels very external. Um, We're physically cleaning a space. We are also physically cleaning ourselves and that's very practical and important. And what a lot of us sometimes don't understand, which is what we always tell people on the cleaning day here at the center is that um, there's a reflection going on both both externally and internally. You know, this isn't just an external cleaning of our body and the space in which we're practicing, it's also an internal cleaning. Um, So when we are physically cleaning a space, uh, there is a degree and an element to that in which we're also internally cleaning ourselves, purifying ourselves, clearing out ourselves. Um, And most people might recognize that as a form of meditation, so meditation, you know, just one way of thinking about it. If we're going to talk about it in terms of like a goal, uh, is that you are cleaning yourself internally through meditation. Right? I don't. That's not like a fixed definition of meditation, obviously, but that is a skill for perspective to utilize from time to time. So there's 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 two things going on when you're actually cleaning or meditating, and it's both an internal cleaning and an external cleaning. The reason that's important is because It's not about checking off all the tasks on the cleaning day list it's actually about orienting yourself towards cleaning in a completely different way an orientation with respect um, with care with attention to detail because all of those skill sets are important to the chajin or the person of tea and living a life of tea and um, the more that we orient towards um, cleaning on a physical level and in a physical space with gratitude and respect the more we are also taking care of our internal cleaning. Because when we do that, we shift our mode of thinking from treating cleaning as a means to an end to a present activity. Like when I say present, I mean you're in that present moment doing one thing at a time and you're really focused on it and you're focused and you're gonna do it really well because of that. And if you can shift your perspective into that mode of thinking, you are doing a lot more than just cleaning a physical space. You are also working on yourself internally. And that's one way of thinking about cleaning on a more like philosophical level. There's always like deeper, there's more layers to unfold. Um, but I think that's a really good one to start with. And we always recommend that to our guests when we start the cleaning day is start thinking about this, um, in terms of a mindset of cleaning. And there's no, there's no, we're not trying to finish things. Uh, Even though there's like endless tasks on the list, we're not trying to just um, crunch them all out as fast as possible. In fact, we're trying to focus on one thing at a time and do it with respect and patience and attention to detail and all these things. And that changes everything. When you change your perspective, obviously that changes everything. And that's very true when you do it towards cleaning as well.
1: Mm. So that was more the general uh, view of the... Maybe the, um, the, the deeper philosophical meanings behind cleaning. But um, what about like the more specific ones? Like when we sit down for tea, we clean the, the bowls uh, in front of the guests before we start the tea session. And actually even it starts before, right? Before we uh, meet the guests, we, we actually clean the tea space, right? What are the What's the, the deeper meaning behind that? Can you speak a little bit about that?
2: sure yeah um when i'm preparing for tea to receive my guests um, a huge portion of my preparation involves cleaning cleaning the space cleaning the tea table um, preparing all the teaware lighting some incense to purify and clean the space um, etc on and on it goes Um, i really find myself needing more and more time to clean with a lot of attention to detail when i'm preparing for tea um, so, that, that right there is a really um, amazing way of welcoming guests into your home for tea is by first taking the time to consider who they are and to clean for them. We're cleaning and preparing our guests for this occasion. In fact, one of the most important ways of showing respect for anyone you're welcoming over for any occasion is cleaning and decorating. Right? And so for us, the cleaning part's pretty obvious. Uh, the decorating part is a, another podcast that would be all about chashi in living a life of tea. Um, so I spend lots of time preparing for my guests by, by cleaning. And then when the guests have come and sat down and relaxed into the ceremony itself, yes, we always start with um, we always start by, by cleaning all of our teaware in front of our guests. You might think there's a component of that that's actually rude. Um, But actually, the teaware comes out and it's extremely clean already. Everyone can see that it's come out onto the table um, cleanly. And yet, we still go out of our way to clean it before our guests because again, this is another way of showing deep respect for these people who have come into your life to share this one one encounter and one chance with you. Um, So it is kind of a ceremonial clean because everything is already clean and yet, it's always been an important part of the tea ceremony to clean before your guests. Um, And that that can be taken to extremes like you would see in the uh, like a whisked version of tea Like you might see in a Japanese tea ceremony um, with special cloths and special um, Movements for how you clean and when you clean and it could be a little more casual in other ceremonies um, But it's almost always there in my experience um, When I'm when I'm either serving people tea or when I'm a guest and receiving tea from the host so a lot of it comes back to respect The deeper meaning of cleaning is respect and it's respect for yourself. It's respect for others and it's respect for the environment in which you're in. And uh, what I love, which I also want to talk about soon is it's also a respect for um, the things, the items, the objects, the treasures, if we want to talk about them with a little more respect, Um, there's definitely a deeper meaning there. And uh, when you start, again, shifting your perspective towards these so-called things and start treating them as beings or friends or treasures, um, you wanna respect them, you want to clean them, right? When you start viewing something like that, um, you wanna take care of it, you wanna respect it, you wanna uh, clean it properly and put it away and give it a home. Um, and these are all really important topics um, that I learned by, by reading, um, a really important book for anyone in general, especially for the person of tea. Um, And I'd be happy to talk about that as well from my own experience with it. Mm -hmm. Sure, what's the book actually? Um, So the book is awesome. I mean, a lot of people know about it. It's a New York Times bestseller. Um, Over two million copies have been sold and it is the the life-changing magic of tidying up. Um, The subtitle is The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing. And I just love, love, love this book. I love to talk about it. It's been so influential in my life of tea and in my life in general. And I would highly, you know, there's a handful of books that every tea person needs to read. And this is definitely in my top five, if not, one, if not even higher,
1: mm-hmm. top two or top three. What would you say were like the key takeaways, whether you want to set like, you know, give us like two or three or five or...
2: Um, Definitely. So some of the key giveaways for this book, um, I love that it actually covers really deep and philosophical concepts, but it's written between the lines. It's actually written in in very layman's terms. So it's very accessible to everybody and yet she's talking about really important topics. And I love that. What that means is she understands the art of cleaning so well that she can explain it in simple terms that everybody can understand. And if you don't understand something well enough, you'll know that by not being able to explain it in very simple terms. So this book is extremely simple to follow, to understand, and it's extremely methodical. Step by step, it will get you to a point where uh, your life is completely changed by, by shifting your perspective towards what cleaning really means. Um, and we live in this funny time where we have access to everything literally at the tips of our fingers. If you want to learn about anything, you just search about it and you'll find Countless articles about it and that's kind of the problem is that there's like this overload of information And what we all really need are the tips and the tools and the tricks to actually apply This abundance of knowledge that we have access to and that's why I love this book because it's just step-by-step It says look. This is what you need to do. You follow these steps exactly and you're gonna see the results Um, So I love it for that Um, going a bit deeper into the book it's, it's what, it really get, what it really boils down to is shifting your perspective towards the objects that surround you in your life and the space in which those objects live. So first, the book goes into like, it gets into specific areas, say a bedroom or a tea room or a kitchen or whatever. And uh, essentially you discard of the objects that don't bring you joy, don't make you feel good, don't make you happy. And uh, it actually shifts your perspective on that too. It's not just about throwing them out, it's about letting these things complete their life cycle and passing them on, maybe even donating them. So I love that right away. And then what you've kind of left yourself with when you, when you do this part of the method is you're left with um, things that bring you joy. Right? It could be your clothes, it could be um, your CDs, it could be anything, because you start in these focused areas. And when you start surrounding yourself by things that make you feel good, Um, You can imagine the obvious impact that's going to have on your life. When you walk into a room that's surrounded by things that make you happy, you're going to feel happy. So that's the first part, is um, reducing and limiting and narrowing down the things that surround you to the only things that make you feel good, right? And, And discarding or moving on with the other things, okay? That's a really healthy first step. And what that means is you start viewing these things as not just things, but beings that make you joyful. I don't want to sound too um, like woo-woo, but you know, if you have an article of clothing that makes you feel happy, great, keep that one. And imagine looking into your closet and seeing how um, all of these clothes make you feel good. Imagine that looking into your tea cabinet and seeing all these teas that make you feel awesome. Right, So you're, you are reorienting yourself towards these um, things as beings that bring you joy and you automatically have more respect for them. Okay, the next huge part of the book, and, and that's about it, is... Um, starting a dialogue with the space in which all of those things live in. And if you love these things and they bring you joy and you want to respect them and take care of them and clean them, you're gonna want to give them a place to live. You should give them a home. And that means you need to start a dialogue with your space and ask like where's the most appropriate place for this thing that brings me joy to live, to go, to be organized. Um, And that's why it's so important for a life of tea because you end up accumulating a lot of different like tea utensils, whether it's chashi or whether it's teaware or whether it's um, teas or whether it's you know um, furniture to um, support that life of tea. You don't need a lot. I'm not like saying you need a lot of things to live a life of tea. Simplicity is always um, a huge factor in a life of tea. But inevitably, you will accumulate some things. So why not surround yourself with tea things that bring you joy? And then why not start a dialogue with the space in which those tea things live so that they can always go home after they've been cleaned and then they're well taken care of and the beautiful thing about doing all of that together is you are way more organized way more efficient and you're going to walk into spaces like we started the podcast with that are clean and organized and that makes you feel good and clear and that's going to save you time because when you always know where everything is you don't have to spend time looking for it you're not going to place it somewhere randomly because you've got respect for that teapot and you've 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 consciously chosen a home for it to go and it always goes back there or maybe i should say he or she always goes back there because we're starting to think about these objects differently not just as um, concrete objects with with no meaning behind them and that's why i love this book because you can apply it to any aspect of your life Mm -hmm.
1: so it's not only about how to clean but it's also i guess it helps you to stay clean and organized Um, That's that's part of the book as well, right?
2: It's about it's about cleanliness about organization about efficiency That's that's yeah I love that it ends up it ends up being about all these like deeper things we never associate with with cleaning Um, So it expands our understanding of what cleaning really is and what that means and how it impacts our life and um, in my experience with this book and applying it it has changed everything and I love that about it um, it's changed everything to the point where, for example, in my bedroom, I, have, I applied some of the rules, not just in my tea space but also in my bedroom. And since applying it, um, my room has never, never, ever, ever gone untidy again, which is a big claim. We've often, uh, the book talks about this a lot. In fact, one of the book's claims is that if you do this, it's never going to get cluttered again. Um, which is a bold thing to say because so many of us have the experience of cleaning something and then waiting for chaos to take in and like your room's a mess again you don't know where anything is um and yet here's a book with a method that is saying if you do it the right way in in, uh, the first time it's going to uh, stick Mm -hmm. and that saves us time again it is a long-term perennial plan to cleaning and organizing your life being more efficient saving time Respecting the objects in your life, respecting the space in which those objects live and therefore leading um, a life Oriented around respect towards yourself and others and the space and and that's who doesn't want that
1: Mm -hmm. Right, I heard you um, After reading this book you now even fold their clothes differently.
2: Yes, uh, absolutely I I, I won't lie. I do and I love it and uh, even they're even color coordinated
1: so you've um found a method that works for you
2: yes definitely and i don't have it's so easy now and you might think oh i have to learn how to fold my clothes a certain way and organize them by color and it seems kind of tedious and but actually it's so easy once you have a method that becomes a habit i don't even think about it it's just always organized i know exactly where everything is it's just easy because i made a habit out of it
1: mm-hmm. yeah um well if you look at People who are successful um, in different areas—not all of them, you know—maybe share uh, the opinion that your, the space you live live or inhabit, um, should be cleaned and, and clutter-free. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, if uh, you know, there's this uh, myth or a, or a stereotype of a genius that lives in um, a house that's cluttered and, and is just has like all these papers around and, and different um, you know different things around that, that just like make a, a cluttered space and they seem to be quite happy um, in that space and, and also work pretty good. Do you have any, any opinion why that might be?
2: Well I mean as with any rule there are always exceptions to the rule and you might have a particular individual who works very efficiently um, and knows exactly where everything is, even though their space is extremely cluttered. And, and that's fine, if that works for someone, then, you know, go for it. Um, this, what this really comes down to is people need to know themselves and what works for them. If that works for that individual, then great. I don't think that works for the majority of people, and so I would suggest trying something else. And once you've experimented, then you can actually make an educated decision. Um, and the other thing is with that example, if that person's all by themselves and they don't have other people relying on them, no problem but if you're someone who works in a company or a community where other people rely on you and if you have to create systems that you have to train people in or teach them about if you have a a cluttered space and someone else has to come into that space um, that's not right because you are influencing them um, in a way that is not going to help them right if I have to train somebody how to do something I need to have a really Organized efficient method that I understand myself that I can understand with others if I'm the only person doing it And it can be as cluttered and unorganized as possible if I'm the only one doing it and I know how it works But that's not often the case we are often uh, Working in environments or living in environments where other people depend on our work and therefore we have to consider them And in those cases, you're gonna want environments and systems that are clean and organized uh, For your own benefit and those who you're working with
1: Okay I can see how it's beneficial to um, keep order in in an office where other people work as well or in a company but you know what about your living quarters like um, what about if i don't have time for for cleaning
2: yeah i mean the interesting thing is you you might need to invest a little more time in the beginning if you have a messy space obviously you're gonna have to invest more time uh, into cleaning in the first place that's why again I love the book because what you do is you, you invest the time in the beginning and you you create such a powerful method that it uh, in the long term it's going to benefit you because you're not going to have to do so much cleaning and tidying um, that you would have to do if you uh, if you're just you have one method and it works for a time being and then it falls back into chaos. So um, what I'm going to suggest is you know the time is always an excuse and you know we, a lot of people lead busy lives. And so our days need to be structured and organized as well. You should have a clean schedule in that sense. Um, And one of the best things when I'm researching what like super achievers are doing in the world, what highly efficient people are doing in the world, one of the number one things that everyone is doing um, is making their bed in the morning, right? As part of their morning routine. Um, That's just one of quite a number of things that people often do in the morning. Um, And I definitely do it. In fact, it's almost the first thing I do soon as I wake up um, I make my bed and what I do is I set myself up for the day because I've just created a clean space for myself it's my personal space um, I'm gonna start off by cleaning that and then when I come back at the end of the day I'm, I'm completing that cycle and I'm coming back to a clean space an organized space a clean bed um, and that's a really beautiful rhythm to get into um, and it just never ceases to amaze me how these overachievers are stressing um, not stressing, but suggesting that they make their bed every single morning. It's a small thing. It seems insignificant. And yet, why are all these like um, extremely successful people doing that? I was interested, and so I've started doing it, and I love it. And uh, it doesn't take any time at all, actually, because when you have things in an organized system, and you do them every day, it does. the time is not, no longer a factor, because you've already factored it into a routine, If you're just trying to do it from time to time and it's not in a system, it's not going to work. It'll work from time to time. There won't be any consistency to it. And we will continue coming back to the excuse of, ah, I don't have time and it's in a, a state of complete chaos. And so you've got to invest the initial time. You have to create a system and you have to carry out every day and then it becomes so easy. Time is no longer a factor and it just gets done.
1: So in the beginning, you, you mentioned that your orientation towards cleaning wasn't always what it is now. It wasn't really enjoyable for you. Other than the book that you've mentioned and other than the, the senseis that you um, st- studied under, mm. is there anything else that has changed uh, your orientation towards cleaning?
2: Yes, there are, there's at least one other thing that has really influenced my orientation towards cleaning. Um, And I feel extremely fortunate and extremely blessed to have found myself in this tradition, um, within this community, surrounded by people I love and doing things that I love. And when you find that purpose in your life, whether through work, through family, through service, through whatever it is you're doing, um, you really want to do the things that are important in that environment. So for me, I love tea. I love making tea, I love serving tea, Um, I love seeing what that means beyond the tea table, like doing data entry and taking out the garbage and paying the bills because that's also part of a life of tea. And don't get me wrong, even though I've found something I really love, that doesn't mean it doesn't come with a handful of challenges. It comes with tons of challenges, no matter what you're doing you're going to be faced with tons of challenges, but when you find that thing you love um, and you're surrounded by the things that you love that help you do the thing you love, for me, tea. I'm surrounded by teaware. I'm surrounded by beautiful teapots. I'm surrounded by beautiful tea. I'm surrounded by everything tea. Um, so I'm, I'm automatically very motivated to take care of those things. And I understand that part of that is cleaning. And so finding that purpose and then going to that environment and, and living that life um, really helped me understand why it's important. It wasn't just something that my teacher was telling me was important or that the tradition was telling me important. I had to realize for myself why it was important. And if you if you love the thing you're doing and the, you love the things that allow you to do that, you're, you're going to want to clean them no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's one of the main goals is we have to find that thing that we love. And hey, even if you don't and you're still searching or you're, you're working a job that you don't necessarily love like to the end of your your life love you know you can still see how how important cleaning can be in that environment and if you don't absolutely love it you know I would I would highly suggest cleaning more and seeing how that changes your perspective to that thing because it will bring more joy and cleanliness and clarity to that thing that even if you don't necessarily love it um, it's still important it's always going to be an important aspect of our life no matter what we're doing we have to clean You've got to take out the garbage you've got to do the dishes you've got to dust the tabletops you just have to do it and so why not try incorporating it more uh, and seeing how it impacts your life and use that experiential understanding as the motivation to to just do it because inevitably we have to just do it right it is our responsibility as as human beings as individuals um, that we have to clean
1: so so as as with most things in life the orientation is what matters the way you orient yourself towards something so it's not the act itself it's not the cleaning but the way you uh orient yourself towards cleaning what do you think of of cleaning that ultimately matters right
2: yes absolutely your your internal narrative towards whatever it is you're doing is one of the strongest tools you have as a human being and if you can learn to apply that and harness that in a constructive, positive, powerful way towards whatever it is you're doing, that is just one of the greatest uh, powers and tools you have as a human. So yes, it's not just the physical act of cleaning. Um, It is an orientation towards cleaning that matters. Finding that orientation for yourself is the the step. You've gotta find the tools to apply that knowledge to shift the orientation. Um, And when you do, uh, go for it, like all out. And see that change it's gonna have. Because then it will change the actual physical act of cleaning. You actually will find yourself enjoying it, even on the physical level. Because hey, let's face it, at the end of the day, I did finish this thing and it feels really good. And and that fuels me. I know it's not gonna end. It's actually just gonna get dirty the very next day. And that's the funny thing. It's like this, it's this thing that you you get it to a point and then it just goes back into chaos and mess. And so you always have to come back to it. So it's this beautiful like ebb and flow that we have to learn to navigate skillfully because if you're just treating it as a means to an end and it is just a chore um that's an unfortunate perspective to have because it's always going to come back to the point where darn i have to clean again Mm -hmm. and then you get it there and it feels kind of good uh momentarily it's this brief sense of satisfaction and then the very next day like it's completely dirty again and going through that 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 cycle of up and down and Is Obviously not skillful. It's not going to help us Learning how to shift your perspective towards cleaning is going to benefit your entire life because it's something that is always going to come back You're always going to have to clean again. So why not at least try to orient towards it with a little more joy uh, and a little more um, Yeah, just a little more joy. That's it
1: Mm -hmm. All right, so coming back to um, tea, where do you draw the boundary when you're cleaning the tea space like where do you draw the boundary where, where does tea space end and the, the rest of living space start for you
2: well i mean ideally we are in the beginning we have to start in a confined space and for a lot of us that might mean literally just working at the tea table right that's kind of the the uh the boundaries of this practice and we have to start by working within the boundaries. Ideally you start to extend all of the principles that you're learning at the tea table into your everyday life because it's a life of tea Um, and those are steps that we have to take um, at our own pace and we can't expect just to extend all the principles into every aspect of our everyday life. It's just not going to happen like that. So in the beginning you might just really focus and Clean your tea space. just the table, um, maybe just the benches or the seats that your guests are gonna sit on. Um, and then as you're drinking tea in that situation, you might you might notice like, oh darn! I like I noticed some dust over there. I noticed this thing over here. And, and so learn from your mistakes, and then next time, um, spend allocate more time to clean the space more more than you did the last time. You can always extend it and clean more and more and more. And it gets beyond your table and into the the room itself and maybe even the door in which the guests come in and out onto the balcony and for us it's out into the driveway and it's even beyond the gate where we sweep the leaves and that's the first thing that your guests are seeing so inevitably eventually you've got to start applying it beyond the tea table Um, but do it step by step and do it slowly don't expect just to like um, clean your entire house and your entire yard every time your guests come over but think of that as an ideal that you can work towards because The tea ceremony is an experience that your guests are going to have and as soon as they set foot in your environment That's the start of the tea ceremony. So you you want to have all of it clean Attention to detail is everything so you can always clean more and more and more So you have to do that to a point where then you can like stop and actually serve tea Mm -hmm. Right, but then know that there's always more room to improve And so feeling comfortable with drawing that line is something each individual has to find for themselves um, and then and then move throughout the development of their tea practice mm-hmm.
1: What I was actually getting at with this question was also the idea that I hear a lot here at the tea sage and in our tradition that tea is not just a physical act of Steeping the leaves, but it goes beyond that and even beyond the, the tea ceremony. Can you? Um, expand on that a little bit as well
2: right um, And maybe I'll touch on a few details that I forgot before. Um, Like when we were talking about, um, you know, cleaning the teaware before our guests when you're actually making tea. There are also points within the tea ceremony where you're going to clean the tea leaves themselves in certain brewing methods. Um, And a lot of people think that's just maybe cleaning off some of the dust that may be collected on the tea leaves. Um, and, And there's some truth to that. Other people have the misconception that it's cleaning off like maybe chemical residues if you're not drinking an organic tea. I wouldn't trust that method at all. And I would reconsider the types of teas that I'm buying so that I'm not cleaning my tea to remove chemicals or anything like that. And, you know, it's a beautiful thing in this tradition and uh, in our tea ceremonies is there's usually like a practical, surface-level reason for doing everything. And there's always a deeper, more philosophical reason behind what we're doing. And cleaning, cleaning the tea leaves is one such example. The practical reason would be to you know, maybe clean off any dust or debris that ended up on the leaves. Another practical reason would be to allow those leaves to actually like open up, coming out of their like dry meditative state, and then and then uh, exposing them to water, hot water, and that allows them to kind of like open up and wake up from their state of slumber or meditation, um, and that that prepares them for the the coming infusions, right? It's what we call it like a flash infusion. And then the deeper, one of the deeper reasons, I'll just say one of them, because there's even one that goes deeper, but we'll leave that for another time, um, is that we're actually washing away and cleaning any idea that there is a a dollar value associated with this tea, right? The price that you're paying for the tea is not the leaves themselves. The leaves come from nature and they're completely free, obviously, right? What we're paying for is the labor and the gas that was involved in you know, picking this tea and producing this tea and shipping it around the world or packaging it, right? Those are the fees that we're paying for tea. And what we wanna do is um, wash away any idea that we have of uh, a dollar value associated with this leaf because it is free, it comes from nature, it doesn't cost anything. And the more we rest in that, um, we well, try it and see how that feels. And that's one of the deeper reasons, the more philosophical reasons, if you will, for cleaning the tea leaves at the start of a session, okay? And um, as far as like extending this beyond the tea table, that that is the goal again. It's something that has to be worked towards progressively. What does it really mean to um, apply the skills we cultivate at the tea table in our everyday lives, okay? Here's the beautiful thing about tea, let's take a quick step back and think about meditation. A lot of people have the question, how do I apply that which I cultivate in the meditation room into my everyday life? Because if there's a divide between those two, we've got a problem, right? Ideally, we are cultivating ourselves in the meditation room and then using that to live our lives more skillfully and navigate reality um, more skillfully with some tools. And tea is this beautiful bridge, this is the metaphor that my teacher loves to use, um, and I love it too, it's this beautiful bridge between that which we cultivate in the meditation room and our everyday life. Because when we're making tea, there are moments of stillness, there are moments of silence, and there's also movement. And usually it's a slow, steady, graceful movement. There's service, there's other interaction with people. Um, and so it's this kind of beautiful bridge with a moving meditation that now we can start to see how this applies into our everyday life. Because if we can take a practice, and sit upright and, and um, fully, fully focus on everything we're doing, the movements, the cleanliness, the respect, all of these things that come when you're serving tea, if you can really dedicate yourself to that in this confined space at the tea table, that's great. And then you can start to apply that into your everyday life. So, you, you know, if I'm going to finish up my tea session and go out and all of a sudden I have to do the dishes or pay the bills, um, how can I do that with the same sort of calm and, and poise that I had at the tea table, mm-hmm. right? And the only way I know how to do that is by first cultivating it at the tea table itself, right? It's not something you can think about and then apply. It's something you have to experience and then apply. So that means make more tea, right? And dedicate yourself more to serving tea to others and dedicate yourself to cleaning the space more and dedicate yourself to showing up with more respect for yourself and your guests and that occasion and then see how that experiential understanding allows you to apply it in your everyday life, no matter what you're doing, right? And it's not gonna be some like glorious enlightening experience when you're like brushing your teeth, but it is those little acts that do build up and improve our life, and um, they are very small, but they're not insignificant. They're very significant, um, and we just, each person has to experience that for themselves. So that's, that's kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going on and on, but this is kind of what I'm talking about when it means to extend the practice beyond the table, um, to extend our, our concept of the tea session beyond the table to living a life of tea. I mean, what does a life involve, right? You can ask that yourself. And then for us, you know, it's a tea-oriented life, but it involves everything else that we think about, like, again, cleaning up, eating food, going grocery shopping, getting to bed on time, organizing our day. That's all involved in a life of tea. We're not just sitting here drinking tea all day serving people. Mm-hmm. Some people might think that, but that's actually not the case. We have to buckle down and get things done. This is a big community. There are thousands of people around the world. There's a magazine that needs publishing. There's a, a community that needs managing. There's so much going on. And having the, the skills and the tool sets to do that skillfully and, and, and serve, serve this community is really important. And... Uh, That's why daily tea for us is so important because that's where we can refine and cultivate a lot of those skills that we can then expand into our everyday lives.
1: Beyond what you've just shared with us, um, are there any other lessons or insights that you feel that have come through cleaning?
2: Yes. Um, You know, cleanliness, is important in every aspect of your life. We need clean drinking water. We need clean food to eat. Uh, we need clean air to breathe. And uh, we need those things to lead clean and therefore healthy lives. You know, cleanliness is so important because it, it goes beyond just improving our own life. But if we understand that, um, it therefore becomes our responsibility to take care of the water and our environment and ourselves and the air we breathe and that's a huge responsibility because we're sharing this world together and let's face it everybody knows um, life isn't fair and there's a lot of people out there who don't have clean water um, clean air to breathe clean food to eat um, and that's not right so by by cleaning and understanding some of the things we talked about here, you know, what I've also learned is that this becomes a huge responsibility for us that extends beyond ourselves. Um, and it really becomes a responsibility that, that we um, need to take on to, to improve the world that we're living in now, um, to leave it clean and healthy for future generations. Um, and that's, that's a huge responsibility that we all need to think about more. And cleaning is no exception to that. In fact, it's it's very very uh, applicable. It's a very practical way of carrying out that responsibility. That's a that's a big understanding that wow, like um, I need clean air to breathe and clean food to eat and clean water to drink and people don't have that and you know I do and I'm very privileged and I'm grateful for that and I celebrate that uh, and this can therefore be my responsibility to become a cleaner person to take care of uh, something greater than myself. So that is. One of the deeper insights I've—I'm I'm definitely still unpacking—that that's a big one in terms of cleaning, um, and uh, a good tagline to end at the end of whatever it is we're doing. You know, how is it in service of others? So you know, you can always ask yourself, like, well, if I'm cleaning, and why is this important? And you know, how how is this uh, how is cleaning important and in, in service of others? Is like a really we can step back and have a big perspective and ask that question for ourselves and start unpacking that because uh, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm.
1: Great. Well, thank you, Shen, for being here and um, exploring this topic with me. I'm looking forward to having you on this podcast sometime in the future um, discussing a different topic.
2: Uh, Janos, it has been my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, and thank you to everyone who. Uh, who uh, stayed with us the whole time and and listened to this talk
1: yes thank you for listening Um, if you like this episode then give us a like and you can also write a review and we definitely appreciate your questions as well so leave them at the comments and if you have any suggestions about the topics that you would like us to explore on this podcast let us know about that as well also check out the ad free monthly magazine we publish called Global Tea Hut. You can go to globalteahut.org. Subscribing to that magazine is the best way to support us and help keep these podcasts going. If you're interested in the more linear and practical information on tea, like brewing methods and categories, then check out our YouTube channel, also called Global Tea Hut. Join us next time for another insightful and inspiring discussion on life of tea.